0: Well, no disrespect to FAU and San Diego State, but the winner of Saturday's game between UConn and Miami will be our national champion. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome in to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national college hoop show out there. I am your host, Andy Patton, joined by my fellow host, Isaac Shea we are so excited we are so close to the final two games of the tournament before, of course, we get to the championship on Monday. We talked at length about Florida Atlantic and San Diego State on yesterday's show. Today, we are going to take a longer look at the semifinalists, Miami and UConn, on the other side of the bracket. We're also going to talk about Conference USA, which is literally taking over the postseason. They have had an extraordinary run, not just Florida Atlantic, some tremendous performances in the NIT All those teams are moving on to a different conference. We're going to close out the show discussing that. But Isaac, I want to start by talking about the Huskies. (laughs) out of UConn, a team that has seemingly not had any issues in the NCAA tournament up to this point. They did not have to play a one seed, but it did not matter. They dismantled Arkansas in that game. They took care of St. Mary's prior to that. They, of course, Mm -hmm. took care of a Gonzaga team that forgot how to shoot the basketball in that game. And now we have a a team from Dan Hurley's team that, that looks like a legitimate candidate, if not the front runner, to potentially take home another championship. And as much as we have talked about the parody in the final four and how there are so many teams who haven't been here before, new coaches, new players, no all Americans, all that stuff. Isaac, if UConn wins, they will have won five championship. I believe it's five in a five
1: year period. since so dating back to 99, 99, 4, right. 11, 14, and it would be.
0: if I'm not mistaken, the only programs that have ever done that are two programs called Duke and North Carolina. So we're talking about Yukon potentially being a straight up dynasty if they're able to do this, at least that's the perception that I have. Right. I'm curious your thoughts because this is a Yukon team that yes, has won a lot of championships in that time, but they've also moved conferences a few times, had some bad years. Like it doesn't feel like they're quite at that dynasty level, but I mean, they're staring down the barrel of potentially winning a fifth championship in a in a 25-year period. That's an insane accomplishment that this team could, could potentially put together here.
1: It is. And also, Andy, as much as it pains me to say it, Duke is the only one on that oh, list. North, North, Carolina North Carolina didn't do it. North Carolina is not. They have <laughs> uh, 82, 93, 05, 09, and 17. So not a 25-year not not a, not a span. But yes, Duke is, in yeah. fact, on that list. And Andy, you talked about this run. Through the NCAA tournament, and frankly, that it wouldn't have mattered if they had played a one seed. Because yeah, yeah. here's their margins of victory <laughs> 24, 15, 23, and the margin's so big against Gonzaga. I apologize. I can't even it add 28? it. 28, is that right? 28, yeah, absolutely it was. And so, uh, Andy, like, UConn is operating at a ridiculous level. And here's what I want to remind people that that is not a new thing this. Mm. Season For UConn, it has been a tale of three seasons. Let me take you all the way back to November and December when the Huskies won their first 14 Mm -hmm. games straight. The first 13 of which were, oh, by the way, also by double digits before going on a two and six run uh, from New Year's Eve up through my birthday on January 25th. So cursed by those national holidays. Yes, my birthday (laughs) is a national holiday. And then uh, since then, They've had 15 games. They're 13 and two. The only losses being at Creighton and a neutral to Marquette. You can totally understand both of those. By the way, that Creighton game was a three point loss, that Marquette game was a two point loss. So, folks, Marquette or Marquette UConn is operating at a ridiculous level. They're number one at Ken Palm right now. They're third in offensive efficiency, 11th in defensive defensive efficiency. The only other team top 11 in both right now is Houston and they ain't playing anymore. They're done and they're going home and off to the big 12, by the way. Um, And so Andy UConn is no fluke. It's not out of anywhere folks. If you want to rewind the tapes, please feel free yours truly. We said on this show that at that time, UConn was playing as the best team in America. We had them as Mm -hmm. our number one, despite the fact that Purdue kept getting put there. How'd that work out for you? AP voters? (laughs) Not so well. Thank you very much. We were right all along with that. And so uh, for me, it it is all about UConn with this. Love to see Dan Hurley making good on his promise Mm -hmm. to get uh, UConn when you could because it was coming so a- as we look at the pieces of the team Andy let me just mention the the most used starting lineup and then I'll let you take it mm-hmm. from there it's these five dudes of Jordan Hawkins Andre Jackson Alex Caraban, Tristan Newton and Adama Sonogo who started 28 of UConn's 37 games together but uh, we would be remit like unlike the team we're going to talk about next who has not used their bench very much Mm -hmm. at all. You like got to talk about Joey Calcaterra. You have to talk about Mm -hmm. seven foot two true freshman Donovan Klingon, because all of these guys make it happen for Dan Hurley.
0: Yeah. UConn has a really, really balanced team and uh, you kind of just see how they have the pieces that fit together. Like, when you're when you're building a roster if you were just kind of to to instead of picking specific players if you're just kind of picking archetypes of players like you would pick a backup center who's a strong rim protector and efficient scorer around the rim. You would pick a backup combo guard who shoots as well as anybody in her team from beyond the arc. Like they don't necessarily have to do anything other than that. You would pick to have a starter who's maybe not a dominant scorer, but a guy who, who plays well on the defensive end of the floor does the dirty work uh, and can score efficiently when needed. And like, those are players that UConn has Like, those aren't archetypes. Like, they have Donovan Klingon. He is Klingon, excuse me. Uh, He is their... Live long and prosper. (laughs) He is their center who who blocks shots and and, and kind of brings that to the team. Joey Calcaterra is that three-point gunner off the bench who comes into the game and hits outside shots and stretches the defense. Andre Jackson is that starter who maybe isn't a guy that they rely on to score a lot of points. Like, they Mm. have players who fit into that kind of bill of if you were saying, hey, I'm gonna take nine or ten guys, and I'm gonna build a basketball team, like those are the kind of players that you would want to put on that roster. And I think for for UConn, a big part of it too is how much they were challenged in the big East. And and we've talked about the big East before. And I think, uh, you know, have, have have labeled that it was a really strong conference this year. But when you look at the success that they had overall, yes, Marquette lost early in the tournament, Uh, Xavier, they had a good run. They were missing one of their key players. I think that was a big factor for them. Creighton had a nice run in the tournament, like Marquette, or excuse me, not Marquette, UConn, uh, seven of their eight losses came in big East play. Like they lost seven of their eight games in conference. And I think part of that was that they went through a really bad, like January was just a really tough month for Danny Hurley's team. And maybe it was related to some other things, but I think we have to consider the fact that the Big East seemingly bet more than almost any other conference, if not every conference seem to prepare their teams to have a good run in March. And UConn is, is the team that's really benefiting from that. Well, and
1: honestly, even that eighth loss wasn't in Big East play, but it was in the Big East conference tournament right to forget right and exactly. so it's like yeah dude and and i'm excited this offseason Andy. we've already talked about doing this but i can't wait to kind of rehash the big east and say yeah. look this conference was legit in a mm-hmm. massive big way and folks we're going to talk more about this on the preview show um, mm-hmm. uh, f- on on friday when we preview these games but here's what you need to know right now ahead of time in advance. By Ken Palm history, UConn is the only one of these four teams based on the metrics that could win the -hmm. national championship because every Ken Palm national champion has been rated 22nd or better in defensive adjusted defensive efficiency. Um, FAU and Miami are outside of that. In fact, FAU's fallen to 30th in defensive efficiency, Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But then on the offensive side, you got to be t- top 39 to win. San Diego State is outside of that. So mm-hmm. San Diego State's out, Florida Atlantic's out, Miami's out. If Ken Palm things hold up, UConn's really yeah. national champion possibility.
0: Agreed 100%. And I think you know, you look at this as a team that, that shoots well from deep. Uh, they grab a lot of rebounds. They're a top 15 rebounding team in the country. They're a top five team in terms of assists. They distribute the ball really well. Uh, they don't let the opposing team get a lot of rebounds. Like they do a lot of things. They're also a good free throw shooting team. We haven't talked a ton about free throw shooting on the show, but Isaac, it turns out that matters a lot in the NCAA tournament. Yes, yes, yes. And UConn is a team that does it at a really good clip. So, so again, They have the players that kind of fit the type of roster you would want to build to win a national championship. And they also do the things on the court that tend to equate to success. Does it mean they're going to win a championship? No, of course not. It's hard. It's impossible to predict that. But from a metrics perspective, from a team roster construction perspective, they definitely have a heck of a lot of things going for them.
1: Yeah. You'd rather have the things going for you than against you. The, the, The less risky thing is to say UConn will be the team cutting down the nets on monday night but if not we both think that it will be the team they're playing on saturday yukon might be that odds-on favorite but jim laranaga and the miami hurricanes have beaten the odds a bunch of times already this tournament we're gonna tell you why they can do it again and we'll do that in just a second but first this episode is brought to you by our friends at fan the tournament is now in the home stretch, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. New customers get a no-sweat first bet up to one thousand dollars. Friends, that's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So download that FanDuel app right now. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores, three pointers drained, and hey, if Miami can keep this five and a half point margin uh, Mm -hmm. against UConn. That's so crazy to me that it's that big. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with the same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. Once again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on to learn all about it. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the N all right Andy so we turn our attention from the final big east team standing to that team that is a five and a half point underdog at FanDuel and that's Miami and if uh this tournament's taught you anything is to not bet against these hurricanes. As we said there in the teaser, we've got these hurricanes coming in Jim Laranega, the only coach in this tournament who's got previous final four experience. Obviously that was with Georgia Mason Mm -hmm. back in 2006. And so obviously that does nothing for Saturday other than he's been there before and he knows how to prepare his coaches, his team, everyone around him. For that, as for the Hurricanes, they're 29 and 7 overall, 15 and 5 in ACC play. Best uh, non tourney wins, so games before are Providence, Virginia, Duke, NC State, and Pittsburgh. In the tourney, man, they had they're one of those teams that had to have that major comeback against Drake, or they might not be sitting here right now. Right, like same with FAU, we we've talked mm-hmm. about it. If a referee awards them a, a timeout to Memphis, yep. FAU might not be sitting here right now. But that's what happens in the tournament. Mm-hmm. You get through one thing like that, and then they knock off Indiana, they knock off the number two overall seed Houston, and they no- knock off the number two seed in their region, the Texas Longhorns. Mm-hmm. And that, when I look at that, I'll say gauntlet of four teams that yeah. they've played. I mean, that is, and I know a lot of people might look at Drake and say, Ah, really. Mm-hmm. Drake was a fantastic team coming out of the Missouri Valley Conference. We know what Indiana's done all season. We know how good and how tenacious Houston has been again this season. Spent mm-hmm. so much time at number one overall. In Texas, we've talked about them at length as well. And so I, Andy, am nothing short of heavily impressed yeah. by what Miami has done in this tournament.
0: Yeah, be- beating Houston and Texas is is insane. I mean, honestly, it is. Those are two teams that I I, looking at the bracket and and, looking at all the different combinations of of how this thing might shake out. And I'll I'll admit that in, in, in the many times looking at the bracket, I'm not sure I could have projected that this is the final four that we would get. But one of the things that stood out to me is like, is any team going to be able is any team other than Houston or Texas going to come out of that region? Because those two teams are so good they're so big they're so physical they're good on the defensive end of the floor they're efficient offensively like i'm not stunned that a team came out of there other than those two teams but like they're the two they were the two best teams in that conference and any team who can beat houston and then turn around and beat texas the next week like two two days later two two days days later, later right we're talking about uconn we're talking about about how the numbers the analytics bear out them as the winner their roster construction all that stuff and i believe all of that but Man, to to try to bet against Miami when they like, I would have picked Houston to beat them and I would have beat, picked Texas to beat them. I did. I expected that Miami would lose both of those games. And here they are. Jim Laranega is inevitable, it feels. He has led this team to back-to-back elite eights. Now a final four appearance for the Canes and trying to bet against them when they have the kind of talent that they do the will the determination uh, to beat those two programs like we said they're a top five offense in the country they are currently fifth uh, at Ken Palm and adjusted offense they are 104th in defense and that's that's the issue that I mean that's 100% the issue they, they hung 89 points on Houston which is insane to do that against Houston and their elite defense but they also gave up a lot of points there and I think that that's going to be you know and I, we're going to do more actual previewing of this game on Friday's show but that's going to be kind of the, the biggest hinge is how does Miami's defense step up against a team in UConn that has so many offensive weapons but at the end of the day it feels silly to discount Miami considering what they have done at this point in the NCAA tournament.
1: Yeah, it does. And I'm, I know, like you said, we'll talk about it, but I'm so excited because this is two of Ken Palm's top five offenses, Andy. And for UConn, we just talked about their front court and everything they have. And with all due respect for Miami's front court, nor Chad O'Meara, who we both love and love to see him play Mm. as an undersized uh, center at six, seven for Miami it's all about kind of this four guard backcourt and wings where we, we talk about the ACC player of the year, Isaiah Wong. We yeah. talk about Nigel pack and all his life wallet money that he got <laughs> coming over from Kansas state. Uh, we talk about Jordan Miller, who was literally perfect from the field and the free throw line perfect on game. Sunday in that game against Texas. Uh, we talk about Wuga yes. this dude. And and that is your starting lineup. And uh, along with North shadow and Andy, I mean, it's elite it's an elite lineup and in fact let me throw some numbers at you i've been doing a lot of looking at bench usage lately uh for all sorts of various reasons (laughs) miami is 326th in division one out of 363 teams in how jim laranega uses the bench they use their bench 24 percent of their minutes and it's this this starting lineup Mm -hmm. per evan miyakawa who we think does a phenomenal yeah, job with sports, uh, college basketball data. This is one of just twelve lineups in all of Division One this year that played seven hundred or more non-garbage time possessions together. Wow. And of those twelve lineups that played seven hundred or more non-garbage time possessions together, they have this starting fivesome, this starting quintet yep. for Miami, the by far best offensive adjusted efficiency of any of that group at 126 and Andy that I mean when when you look at the list of the the other lineups on there I mean it's it's a powerful list and the closest Mm -hmm. one to them is in the one teens, so more than 10 below that in adjusted offensive efficiency and Andy here's what it makes me think of this team didn't win the national championship last season but you might recall that last season the national runner-up was a team that kind of came into their own out of the same conference down the stretch. That was the North Carolina Tar Heels, who literally had a fivesome dubbed the Iron Five because Mm -hmm. that five played the entire final 20 minutes in the regular season finale at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then they rode that all the way to the national championship game. Not that we're not going to see any other Miami Hurricanes on the court. We will but it's solely reliant on this five continuing to be awesome, which mm-hmm. we just saw North Carolina right all the way to like yep. within at halftime. They're up by 15, right? There's no reason mm-hmm. to think Miami couldn't follow that same progression yep. outside of what I'll say are two things. Number one, that defense you just talked about. Yep. And the other thing we got to watch for is foul trouble.
0: Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And I think, I mean, so many high profile programs ride their starters at super intense levels. Kansas, North Carolina, this is historically something they have done. Gonzaga is a team that's outside the top 300 in terms of playing their bench as well. And it's, I get it. When you have high profile, high end talent on your roster, you want to play those guys as much as possible. And I'm not going to argue with the success that those programs have had over recent <laughs> years. Clearly, Miami has ridden these starters to a level that, is higher than many would have expected this program to do. But we spent a lot of time talking about Yukon's bench. We're not going to spend a lot of time talking about Miami's bench in this game. And so that, that does come into a play of like Joey Calcaterra is going to make an impact in this game on Friday. I don't know if there are any players on Miami's bench that are necessarily going to do that. But what does that mean if Norchad O'Meara picks up two fouls in the first 10 minutes of the game? What does that mean if there is, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, God forbid an injury or anything like that. But what if there is some situation where Miami is more, has to be more reliant on their bench? Are they as prepared to? do that and i mean and, and again we'll, we'll preview more of the matchup specifically because from a starting lineup perspective miami is set i mean their starters are are fantastic nigel pack jordan miller isaiah wong all guys who average over 13 points per game nor chad omir also over 13 points per game also averages a double double in rebounds like this is a a fantastic fantastic starting lineup but do they have the depth do they have the rest of the guys on this team who are going to step up and play big minutes if, or when they are called upon because up to this point, they have not needed those players to step up. UConn has utilized those players. So it does create a bit of a different dichotomy between these two teams, not necessarily something that's a deal breaker. uh, Certainly for Miami, I think if there is a deal breaker for Miami, it's the, you know, their defensive rating at, at Ken Palm being outside the top 100, that's more of an issue for this team. But, I, I do think that that Miami is in a, in a bit of a different situation without having as much depth and they have talented players. They do. Uh, but I, I think UConn is, is a little bit more equipped from a roster construction perspective. They, they maybe have more guys who fit some of those traditional bench roles and Miami doesn't quite have that.
1: And if they are going to have some of that, the guys, the two names you really chiefly need to know are Anthony Walker and Bensley Joseph. Walker in the front court, Joseph in the back court. So if you do, when we do see other names
0: come in and contribute, it'll be those guys. Well, Isaac, Conference USA is taking over the postseason. They've they've taken it over completely. They have a Final Four team. Both of their teams are in the NIT championship. They also have the CBI champion as well. But guess what? what? Every single one of those teams is leaving Conference USA after this season. No. We're going to talk no. about that in the third and final segment. All right, Isaac. NIT Championship is taking place tonight as you are listening to this on Thursday. That game is going to be between North Texas and UAB. Two teams, two teams currently in the Conference USA, of course, Florida Atlantic, who we talked about at length on Wednesday's episode of the podcast, also coming out of Conference USA. This is a conference that has absolutely dominated, absolutely dominated the, the postseason. And I think that we, we have to talk about it. They're forcing our hand. We have to talk about this because Charlotte wins the CBI. Again, we talked about North Texas UAB being in the championship. One of those two team teams is going to win it all in the NIT. In Florida Atlantic. I mean they're they're not our our pick necessarily our favorite to win the national championship but I'm not discounting them entirely and also the fact that they're even here in the final four is is you know one of the greatest runs we've ever seen from from a lower seeded team in the history of this tournament but none of those teams are going to be in Conference USA after this year. A really huge bummer to see this conference get so much publicity, so much attention, so much love and respect in the college basketball community because of this monstrous run. And all of this publicity effectively goes to the AAC because that is where every one of these teams is headed. Florida Atlantic, UAB, North Texas, Rice, Charlotte, UTSA, that is Texas, San Antonio, all Headed from Conference USA to the AAC. Uh, for anybody who's concerned about, oh, the AAC is losing Houston, they're losing Cincinnati, they're losing uh, Central Florida. Like, are they going to still be a good basketball conference? I'm here to tell you, I think they're going to be just fine <laughs> because they're adding some teams that have gone on some some pretty tremendous runs. And and to me, uh, you know, as much as I, I don't know, it's hard to quantify exactly how much your conference tournament and your conference opponents matter. But when you see a conference do this run through the CBI, run through the NIT, run through the NCAA tournament. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. It's, it's pretty significant to me that, that obviously this conference maybe deserves a little bit more love, uh, at least from this past season, than, than they were getting.
1: Yeah, they absolutely do. And speaking of that NIT championship tonight, UAB North Texas, 930 Eastern on ESPN2. And here's what's interesting. is you look back at the regular season matchups between the two, North Texas – won the two regular season games they won at uab 63 52 and then they beat uab at home in double overtime 82 to 79 but andy here's where it got interesting the blazers came back and won in the conference usa semifinals we always say it's hard to knock off a team three times in a season yeah. where they obviously then lost to FAU in the mm-hmm. conference USA championship game. So uh really interesting matchup. That that's going to be um, obviously both of those teams, North Texas and UAB, were talked about as bubble teams for a while. So even, I mean, it, it makes a ton of sense that they have worked their way all the way to this NIT championship mm-hmm. game. Uh, very interesting stuff. I'm looking for the line here to see if we have it from, for the Damn. record,
0: either of UAB or North Texas would would have been a better pick than Nevada. And I know there's revisionist history on that. I'm not trying to dunk all over the Wolfpack because I was an advocate for them making the tournament at the time. But they got spanked really badly by Arizona State in that play-in game. And I would have rather seen North Texas. I would yep. have rather seen UAB. Would they have gone on a torrid run and beat TCU and beat Gonzaga and beat UConn? Probably not. But it would have been more fun. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And it, I mean, it's so funny when you look at the um, total records for mm-hmm. the teams that are in like the AAC. These The three teams that are leaving to go to the Big 12 were a combined five and three in the postseason. Meanwhile, all these US uh, CUSA teams we just talked yeah. about are a combined 17 and one Crazy. in the postseason. And so uh, you love to see how that has gone. Great stuff there. Andy. Love it! Great stuff from this uh, from Conference USA, but also there's we're in this season where literally, literally every day we are being bombarded with draft declarations,
0: draft season, yep,
1: transfer portal updates, coaching carousel stuff, and so we just want to breeze by a couple of those on our way out today and we'll we'll just limit it to some da- draft declarations we'd i mean i guess we could say uh since we were just talking about kansas mj rice yeah um, entered the transfer portal on mm-hmm. um on wednesday so that'll be interesting to see where he lands a very coveted class of 22 guy who didn't play much for the jayhawks this year um, but here are five quick um draft declarations all of whom seem like guys that aren't intending to come back yep. and Terquavion smith from nc state who frankly could have gone last year and yeah. decided to come back a big part of why the wolf pack was so good this mm-hmm. season uh his quote i'm forgoing my college eligibility and going all the way in yep. i don't know about where you come from but that feels definitive to me he i like it too
0: i like it i like when they when the, just, just no mystery yeah. just let them yeah. know let them know you're
1: let us know um like for example Another example of somebody we're not sure of is Derek Whitehead who said mm-hmm. he, he didn't come right out and say, I'm forgoing my eligibility, but everything he said in his post was like, right. Hey, I'm done at Duke. Um, and then obviously we wait, there's a whole bunch of guys we wait on from Duke. Mm-hmm. We already know, as you and I talked about recently, Tyrese Proctor like is that. coming back. That's massive yeah. for the blue devils for his sophomore year. But I would expect Kyle Filipowski to leave. I would yeah. expect Derek Lively to leave. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm I'm curious about Mark Mitchell. That's going to be an interesting one, Um, and we wait to see with that. Keontae George from Baylor, the dynamic freshman Mm -hmm. from their backcourt. He's in and staying. Uh, Mm -hmm. Mike Miles Jr. from Kansas State uh andy as you had said he just posted one out one, one out. jersey number and so it seems like he's gone but it's again it's not definitive thank you uh, uh again turk turk <laughs> smith yeah for letting us know and then ohio state's justice suing is uh leaving for the draft as well i believe he's got just like a covid year of eligibility left that mm-hmm. he could use but um seems like he'll Be gone, and uh, that's probably good because then Bronny James can come in and take (laughs) his spot there. Andy, anything else to add to any of that?
0: No, none of these really surprise me. I, Keontae George is the least surprising one. I, he's a guy who's mocked in the top 10 for many draft picks or for many mock drafts that we've seen up to this point. High level score, does all that stuff well. Turk, again, a guy who, who probably could have gone last year who I know got a lot of love from, from our, our colleague locked on NBA big board host, Raphael Barlow loved him last year, thought he was a big sleeper in that draft. He ended up coming back to NC state and is now much higher on that radar. Mike miles, Totally makes sense that he's gonna he's gonna forego, assumingly forego his college eligibility and 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 go pro and and, and a guy who is is pretty young I, I think is is younger than I think a lot of people might expect him to be as a guy. Who's
1: By better. the way, I said K State when I was talking about him. That just occurred to me. TCU. 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 I didn't even notice Wild that. Color yes. purple TCU. in the Big Twelve. I apologize. Yes. Like as you were talking about him, I'm like, you're an idiot. He's not Kansas State. <laughs>
0: Sorry. God, we got it. Got it all figured out. <laughs> yeah, this is the Mr. surprising group. I am curious and interested to see some of the, 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 the more the guys who are more on the edge. I think there's a lot of guys who are, who haven't declared yet, who I think are very obviously going to end up declaring for the draft. There's a lot of guys who, who, are not going to declare who maybe would have been expected to Kalil Ware was one of the first like obvious, like, Hey, this is a freshman who didn't have a great year. Is he going to even try to declare for the NBA draft? And, and I I gave him some props for this as well on the show for, for pretty quickly coming out and saying, Hey, I'm entering the portal, but no, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to keep playing college basketball. And I think, you know, I, it, certainly take as much time as you need for student athletes out there. I don't want to rush anybody, but it's yeah. nice when, when they make a definitive statement right away and just say, look, this is my plan. I'm doing this. I'm planning this and, and so on. And I think this is a, a very logical group of guys who are, who are going to go start their professional careers. And I think all of them are, are going to have success.
1: Love to hear it, folks. We'll have all these kind of drive bys as they become known, obviously, over the next several weeks. It's been a great show, Andy. Great to chat as always. Getting ready and prepped for UConn and Miami on tomorrow's show. We'll give you our actual previews of both games, our picks, how we foresee these games playing out. Make sure you follow us both on Twitter at Andy Patton CBB. And Mm -hmm. me, at Isaac Shade. Give the show a follow as well on Twitter, at LockedOnCBB. Make sure to subscribe, smash the like button, and leave your comments on your thoughts on both of these Final Four teams and on the poor CUSA, how they've performed so well, but losing everyone to the AAC this offseason. As always, apologies to the Lawyer family. And until tomorrow, peace.